0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Let's pray and get right into the lesson. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and are glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do, anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And, Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and be revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Tonight I want to interrupt our com- commentary and add an addendum to it that I think will help us in the long run. But we're going to be dealing with more with uh, this particular topic later on the year. But I thought it necessary, especially that this is a historic month and we're going into a historic era for for the ministry that we talk on the subject of successful marriage. And I'll tell you why in a few minutes. However, I want to encourage you that in the month of February, we're doing a special, intense training of systematic study of the Word of God. And I'm challenging all my friends and my family and, and it, my, my enemies and my, and my foes, all everyone, I want everybody to participate in 28 Days of Glory. And that means in the month of February, the shortest month of the year, we're going to take out a month and dedicate it to the studying of God's Word daily. We're going to seek the face of God and and hear from the Word of God as how to apply it as the children of God. We're going to hear the Word of God, and we're going to meditate on the Word of God, and we're going to develop ourselves in the Word of God. So... um, so i want to talk about that well and as you know back in december on december thirtieth of twenty fourteen i celebrated twenty five years of preaching the gospel in nineteen eighty nine I preached my first message on um the sunday of the on the december thirty first and then on um on january fifteenth of nineteen ninety five I was ordained for the first time, and um, and I was the youngest at that particular time. There's a historic picture out there. You can look on my social media and find it. And that is now 20 years ago. So today, um, or actually tomorrow at around this time, I would have been married for eight years. So I'm celebrating my 25 years of preaching, my 20 years of ordination, and my eighth year of marriage, so it's just been an exciting month of just new discoveries and new beginnings, so God is great, he is awesome, he is mighty, he is powerful, he is omniscient, and he's worthy to be praised, I give God all the praise, honor, and glory for the things that he is doing, so... um. With that being said, I am going to do a teaching, but I'm going to do a teaching that I haven't done before, a subject that I haven't taught on before, and that is the subject of marriage. I think after about eight years, and actually we um, met in 2003, so that would be 2003, 2013 would be 10 years, so that is 12 years ago that we actually started dating, and then after the 12 years um, in 2007, January 30th, In 430 in the afternoon, we got married. Amen. And that was an interesting ceremony, but praise the Lord, it was wonderful. And hopefully in 2017, we're going to do our, uh, not hopefully, in in 2017, we're going to do our um, uh, renewal ceremony, and it's going to be wonderful. But uh, I tell you, marriage is the first institution that God ever offered and rendered ministry to in the earth realm. Um, We see that in Genesis, before he constructed the church, he constructed marriage, the marriage unit, and he established it and called it and gave it instructions, and from the marriage unit, we see every other institution created to govern under the authority of this marriage unit, so marriage is important to God, and marriage is a decision that a man and a woman makes, forsaking all others and cleaving to one another, so that they can establish Uh, a household of faith under the governance of God, a 3 cord that cannot be broken. And society has placed an attack on marriages by saying they don't work and or or anybody can get married. Now people are marrying um, the same gender, which is an abomination to God, and they also are marrying... um, uh, You know, next thing you know, we'll be marrying animals and all types of stuff and underage, you know. um, But no matter what the world, no matter what the world does, the church has to be the church. And I always tell people either you're going to be the church all the way or don't be it at all. And when it comes to the institution of marriage, we must resolve that God ordained marriage between a man and a woman. Not a man and a man, not a woman and a woman, not a woman and a child, not a, a man and a child of either gender or, or the same gender. God has instructed for a man and a woman to um, be united in marriage. Now, marriage is a decision. It's a decision that requires devotion, dedication, discipline, diligence, and it also requires a a, a defiance against the norm meaning that you will forsake all others and cleave to your spouse and in today's society we don't see the institution really being exalted properly glory to God but what we do see is that um, what we do see is that regardless of what the, du- the world does, God's truth and God's words remain the same. And we must maintain our faithfulness toward the things of God and uphold the promises and the patterns and the principles of God, irregardless of what's going on in the world. Now, with that being said, I want to share with you uh, briefly five realms of a successful marriage. Five realms of a successful marriage. Now, here's the key. Don't let anybody define what your, your what your sense of marriage is don't let anybody else define what your sense of marriage is hallelujah it's it's a decision that you and the person who you decided to be with have deliberately made glory to god and um and um you as believers must learn to govern yourselves accordingly amen so we're going to talk about five realms of a successful marriage. All right. Now, when you when you get married and you decide to get married, oh, let me say this. If you are a born-again believer, any believer of the opposite sex that's, that's in right standing, of course, you're not unequally, you can marry anybody, and establishes the principles of marriage in the Scriptures, and it works. Now, we have emphasize the emotional, you know, and the erotic and the um, exclusivity of, of what we consider coined Eros love, but that is not the the basis of marriage. The basis of marriage is to fulfill the dominion mandate um, and found in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, and it's also to uh, produce offspring. And um, that doesn't require love, <laughs> you know, like people make it. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't uh, desire to, to love your spouse, but it doesn't have to be. If they are believers and they're born again and they make a decision to get married, the principles and the patterns and the precepts of marriage that are outlined in the Scripture will work irregardless of whether you love that person or not. Because the institution of marriage is exactly that. It's an institution. That's established by God to reproduce after his kind. It's an institution established by God to reproduce after his kind. What are we reproducing? Sons and daughters of God. That's the purpose of marriage, to reproduce on the earth. Now, now that doesn't have to be done in an emotional state. It's good that there there is emotions atti- attached to it, but it does not have to be. It's an institution. It's a principle. And therefore, you don't divorce in your marriage, because God hates it. Of course, if He hates it, we should too, um, unless there's been some violations to the principles of marriage, and and that uh, that is clearly outlined in Scripture as well. I don't want to go into that, but I definitely wanted to set that up front because you got people that will say, "Well, I don't love my spouse no more." That don't mean you don't don't stay married to them. You know, uh, and that's the part that the if the institution of marriage is the institution, the principles don't change. (laughs) Amen. And they have not changed. And so um, that's a little hard pill to swallow, but it's a pill nonetheless. (laughs) Uh, Amen. So, um, but... Uh, I wanted to give that off the hook, but there's nothing wrong with loving your spouse, and it's good to love your spouse and to do things for your spouse. The Scripture gives the man responsibility and of leading, being the head leader in his marriage. <laughs> All right? And I know that's, you know, when you, now, this is not a superiority complex. This is a responsibility complex. God will hold the man accountable for the state of marriage, Uh, that he has committed himself to because he is the one that carries the seed and releases it into the female. That doesn't make her inferior. It doesn't make her subordinate. It doesn't make her subjective, subjected. We ought to reverence and uh, submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. And submit means we honor the mission that each other have collectively agreed upon. We don't, dog, we, we don't dog each other. We don't manipulate each other. But we, con- we connect on the basis of, of a commitment on a mission. We commit to the mission, and we, we subject ourselves to that mission. And the mission is the dominion mandate to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill up the earth, to subdue it, and to replenish it. And we do that by offering, uh, uh, by creating the next generation. So the purpose of marriage is to reproduce after our kind. Our kind is the God kind. Meaning that if God is the head of our marriage and the man has been given responsibility over that particular marriage, that they will honor God with the principles that they govern that marriage by. Amen. And I'll tell you something. You know, when when you, no matter how you start off, it it, it well. You know, it is important that you start off right because if you start off right, it end up right. I, I I will say that a lot of times, a lot of people have a lot of problems because when they got married, they did not start correctly. You know, but at the same time, even if you didn't start correctly, there is a grace upon the believer to regenerate. Uh, a quality in life so that your marriage can align to the institution for which it was founded on, which was the principles of God's Word. The Word of God told us that it's not good for man to be alone, and that God would send him a helpmate. God, of course, looked at the animals. The animals didn't qualify. So God took out of the man, and and from the man he brought forth his, his best out of that man and created the woman. And and, and and the man, uh, immediately upon recognition, established covenant. Now, what I also understand is that when you really know that God wants you to establish the covenant of marriage, the man will be notified from God, and he will, he, and he will communicate to that person whichever way they have culturally defined the process of engagement. And they will engage into matrimony. Of course, God will reveal it to the man. Often he, he can reveal it to the woman, but that would be kind of like working against the plan, but it's it's, it's neither here nor there. I mean, uh, that's, that's no big deal in the eyes of God, but God does speak, and God will impress and let you know clearly that that person is for you. And I always tell people, if they're not everything, they're not anything. And a lot of things that you can find out a lot about people, you need to find out prior to marriage before you engage into a covenant that should not be broken until death. So um, it is important. I love the scripture that talks about uh, in Ephesians chapter 3. And, of course, I could give you uh, Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for. Ephesians 5.28, In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, he who um, who loves his uh, wife loves himself. So the command to love is given to the man. Um, Ephesians 5.33 says, however, each one of you must love his wife and love as he loves himself, and his wife must respect her husband. So she's commanded to respect as we are commanded to love. But love doesn't have to be a fact in order for you to be married. Amen. But uh, Colossians 3.19 says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Do not be harsh with them, all right? It says, also be careful how you speak to your wife. First Thessalonians four four says each one of you should learn to control your own body in the way that is holy and honorable. It's talking about husband and wives. And then First Peter chapter three verse one says in the same way wives submit to your own husbands so that if any of you um, uh, any of them do not believe the word they may be won over by the words of your behavior as their wives. So. Uh, in the same chapter, in First Peter chapter three, it says in verse six says, "And just as Sarah Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, you and you have become her children. You who have the right with being uh, uh, with uh, you. Let me read that again. You have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear." Your, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as 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 with the someone weaker, since she is a woman, and the and show her honor. As a fellow heir and the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, I like the way the King James Version says that that's the ESV, but the King James Version says this likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. And so you need to understand that there is a knowledge of, that you must abstract to the principles of marriage and that you need to learn how to honor those principles. Now, I know I sound kind of starch and kind of stoic and probably kind of bar, uh, barbaric a little bit, but at the end of the day, God's principles, God's principles do not change because of the cultural trends and fads. We must uphold and honor the um, the principles of marriage. Amen. Now. With that being said, there's a knowledge that comes with anybody that you do. A, how can two walk together except they agree? You have to find out what the agreement is. Amen. But at the same, on the same token, we as the children of God have a responsibility to to display love, uh, to display honor, rather to our wives, and those, that honor is a realm of the high class believers. The realm of honor is, a high, is the realm of a high-class believers that is set on displaying the character of God at all times. So when we talk about displaying the realm of honor at all times, what I am saying to you is marriage is an honorable position because it's the first institution which God created. And therefore, you should always look at it from a high perspective. And you should value your partner, and you should honor them as you would honor God. Now God commands that the husband loves his wife. Um, Love doesn't have to be a factor in marriage, but it should be. Of course, you know we see that, and I can go through all the bad examples that we see of bad marriages. Abraham and Sarah had a bad marriage. Uh, His son and his uh, 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 Rebecca and and um, Isaac had a bad marriage. We can go down to, um, uh, I mean, we could go down to David and Bathsheba's. Uh, you know marriage that was corrupted from the beginning we can go to um the prophet that was uh i believe it was Hosea that was told to marry a prostitute uh um as a as a symbolic statement of uh God's covenant with Israel. We can go all the way to uh New Testament where the disciples had marriages that we didn't hear nothing about and probably for good reason um and and all the way to this point where Peter begins to say. Marriage exists, and if you're going to do this, you're going to have to do this with some sense of honor. And um, so uh, we see a powerful uh, marriage with the apostles Aquila and Priscilla, who Paul commendated um, for their devotion to the things of God and for their partnerships in the work of God. And, and, uh, and the various marriages that we see in the scriptures, um, good and bad. But the principles still remain the same, and those principles are what God rules with. The, the The same righteousness, peace, and joy that is in the Holy Ghost should be established in our marriage. Amen. And if we and if we do that, these realms will will exist and hang off of these uh, core principles that I think will make a successful marriage. Now, um, here's where I understand that one of the things I say for me. When I got married, I knew from God that the person that I was with was the one that God had for me. What I did not know was how much I would have to grow up and be the man I needed to be in order to serve the woman of God that he's entrusted to me. And the woman belongs to God, but he's entrusted her to me. Amen. And that's and and vice versa. And so uh, we must honor when we talk about bringing up a, a code of honor amongst the believers. That is very key to us advancing in the things of God. Now here are the five things. Number one, the realm of friendship. The realm of friendship. And generally this should be established. A lot of times it's not because when people get married, they're presenting their ideal self versus their actual self they're presenting themselves when they go out on dating prior to marriage, they look good, they smell good, um they sound good, they say the right things, they overlook each other's bad mistakes and jokes. <laughs> they look at the positive over the negative and that's not a re- that's not reality. That's not reality. The reality of the matter is that it takes about 4 to 5 years to get to know the person that you're really sleeping next to. And that after the first year, you may question why you married that person and what type of personality that they have that they really have you've never met before because they start presenting their actual self, their ideal self. So at that time, you're growing. When you get married, you decide to connect with a person and grow with that person, knowing that that person will not be the same one that you married, that they will become better or they may become different than what you expected. But if you honor the principles and the governances of marriage, your principles and your convictions will remain the same. So the first realm is friendship, finding out who they really are, what they came to do, why they are here, where they are going, when they are going to get there. And those are things that you work out together. And if you can do that together, God can bless and prevent a whole lot of things from coming up and destroying uh, destroying, and uh, destructive, that are destructive within. Baltimore metropolitan area residents, there is an amazing
0: experience. Experience happening on October 17th, Saturday, October 17th, from 9 a.m. into the evening, 8 p.m. There will be various seminars, workshops, and a supernatural summit. The supernatural summit is an experience you do not want to miss. more information, call 202-630-4UGC. That's 202-630-4842. Email us at urbanglory campaigns at com. Follow us on all the social networks, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, looking up Urban Glory and our music association, Urban Glory Music Association. We'll see you at the summit.